Welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. If you've been listening to this show, welcome back. And Robin, welcome back. Uh, Reverend Robin King is joining me. That's a bit of a mouthful, you know, Reverend Robin King. I think I've called Rev Rob every now and then. Rev Rob. That's my blog name too, right? Rev Rob's God blog, which I didn't choose. Somebody else made that up. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Reverend Robin King is the minister of the Basha United Church and the Pinocchio United Church. And he comes into the office here and sits down with me over a cup of coffee once a week. And we chat for about half an hour, usually a little bit less sometimes about um, various topics of faith. Usually we tie our conversations into uh, loosely to connect with the theme of what Robin will be speaking about in the sermon uh, coming up the following Sunday. And right now we're in the beginning of the season of Advent. So uh, yesterday, yeah, yesterday um, was the first Sunday of Advent, which was the, se- the Sunday of hope. And next Sunday will be the Sunday of peace. So there's these four Sundays that mark this season of preparing uh, for Christmas coming. So Robin, let's talk a little bit about the Sunday of peace and uh, do you have some ideas already of what you're going to be talking about uh, around that theme uh, this coming Sunday? Yes, I do, Ben. <laughs> Actually, just at my, as you were saying that, I was saying to myself, hey, do something funny, do something funny. Like when he asks you, go, what do you mean, Ben? What are you doing? Are you trying to, are you trying to put me on the spot, Ben? What are we doing here? What's going on? I'm leaving. And then we could have conflict. And then we could resolve that conflict and have peace. And that would be a demonstration of, but that's not actually what it's all about. Mm. That's not what peace is about? No, not really. Um, and But again, there's one of those moments where, you know, uh, as I find myself saying frequently, and I'm sure ministers generally find themselves saying frequently, it's one of those moments where the way we talk about something in church, I'd use air quotes around that in church, by the way, um, the way we talk about something in church is not the same way that we would talk about it somewhere else. And that's too bad because I wish it were. That's I, so I wish often because it's it, so often the case that we find ourselves going, well, it, it's it, well, it's based on that idea, right? That the church is a place set apart, right? It's based mm-hmm. on the idea that that it, like it's like sacred space, right? You can't, you, it's a church. You can't do that in here. Um, one of my one of my favorite, and I'm just gonna go like I'm gonna go whole hog into this, by the way. Okay. Um, and and because I'm gonna swear and everything. Go for um, it. But one of my favorite one of my favorite things I've ever seen, I I, I gotta say is because I've 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 actually experienced it happen and had people go, <gasps> is um, watching a clip of um, John Pentland, who's a minister at uh, Hillhurst in Calgary, um, talking about whether or not he's allowed to say shit from the pulpit. <laughs> <laughs> and he and he says it, and then he talks about whether or not he's allowed to say shit for them, and I, and I just and people laughed. And see now, I've I've experienced somebody actually use that word from the pulpit during a eulogy at a funeral. You can tell how old that was, right? Because it was back in the days when we called it a eulogy and mm-hmm. a funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were just absolutely horrified. You can't swear in church. You can't say that. You can't do this. You was can't that do here? that. In, no, in Basha. No, it was not. No, it was not. It was it was a long time ago. <laughs> um, but but it's you know again, okay. There, but there's a line, I think, there's got to be, between uh, respectful of space and recognizing that what makes a space sacred is not what you call it or right. how you build or it. The, I was just going to say it's not you know, the building It's either. not the space itself. What makes, it, what makes it sacred is what happens there and, more importantly, what is experienced by people right. there. 
So a good example of that is in, in both Basha and Pinocchio, the two churches that we share you between, um, both churches have really active community theater groups that are part of them. And we have to, right. we have to balance and find a way to embrace having those groups come in and be part of the space and then also make sure that the space is respected and and sometimes that's difficult when it comes to building sets yeah. or changing things or moving things or someone sets a coffee cup down on the communion table and it, it's <gasps> it's just a table but it's also the communion table and it, it is well, special but and then you also do you, you again I'm, and by the way i'm not i'm not saying we shouldn't be sensitive to how people feel about things because you absolutely should. There's still people, although our tradition is different in the United Church, there's still people who, who think of and refer to the communion table as the altar, right? Right. Because they come, their background might be from a tradition where it's an altar of sacrifice rather than a table of meeting, right? Um, and and our tradition is a little bit different. Um, but uh, in fact, we've had that experience. We did remember when we did. Uh, since you were famously Jesus in Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm. Um, and we had a couple of people who were in the cast who were Roman Catholic. And one of them said, uh, actually commented that it's so wonderful that he can be in it here because, you know, we'd never be allowed to do this in our church. And, and I think part of me wants to think, oh, that's too bad. But part of me also wants to go, well, good on them for setting a place apart that they, you know, they're respectful of the space and it means it means something different to them because they've got different symbols and different things and different. That's absolutely okay. We're all different. That should yeah. that should be that should be okay. Both are legitimate. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, and then then uh, then it, again, what's a sacred moment? We we uh, the. Uh, the Pinocchio Church this year, their theater group did uh, a really great show about um, people. And, well, it's actually about somebody who owns a laundromat and how uh, guardian angels, I don't think I'm giving away anything, guardian angels come to help her. And uh, it, it's very funny. It's very entertaining. It's got angels in it, Ben, so it must be okay. On the other hand... On the other hand, it has rock and roll in it. Oh, my goodness. Um, it, but what the best part was, and here's the sacred moment for me, was um, when, when I saw the show, there were actually quite a few kids there, and they were just having a great time. They were laughing, and they were finding it funny. They were being entertained. Um, it was, it was, that was the sacred moment. You also can't argue with the fact that there is sacredness around creating community, which is what community theater is supposed to do anyway, right? It's not just about you, the audience, sitting there watching a show. It's about the things that lead up to it, right? So the sacredness is created around the community that you build with that. Yeah. So the show in Basha, um, they did a musical version of Little Women. And and again, I'm going to just say something because I'm going to assume everyone's read Little Women, which of course they haven't. So when I say Beth dies, yeah, I've just ruined it for everybody. Um, but Beth dies. But the play's over now anyway, so... Yeah. Um, there's a moment in the show, in it, and for me, it was like the best song in the show. But it's the song that Beth and Joe sing when Beth's about to die. Yeah. Um, and it's about um, what really lasts and what's really important and everything. And there were people crying. And there's a sacred moment, right? And not, not cause they're, just because they're crying, right? But because you moved them. Um, and, and, and it's just, to me, again you've created a sacred moment yeah. in the context of a story that is not really remotely religious in any way. Um, and, but you've created a sacred moment. So when people start talking about how, for instance, when we talk about hope in the church, we mean something different than when you say hope, when you say, you know, you hope your favorite team wins, blah, blah. Well, yes we do, but we do in part because that's not actually what hope means. 
what you're doing right. is you're being optimistic. Um, yeah. And, and hope has a certain level. And this is what we would say in church is it has a certain level of certainty to it. Right. And because it's something much deeper. It's something inner inside. And the same thing is true of peace. And this is the thing about the peace that's so constantly confounding to me is that people, um, start talking about peace. Like it's the literally the absence of conflict. And it's not. In fact, sometimes conflict is required. Where, where peace comes in is what you do with that conflict. If yeah. that conflict is create is it creates um, uh, life and inspiration and creates a moment in which people are able to then um, connect. Great. If it's destructive, no. But but the thing about peace is that it's not just the it's. Here's the thing. I, I worked once. I won't say where. But I worked once for somebody who um, managed conflict by simply ensuring that it never happened. Right. And people would, would say, oh, oh, he's just, he's so good with, the, like, there's never any conflict. It's, he's so good with, so, and that was because it simply wasn't allowed to occur. Things where, where there was potential for conflict simply weren't discussed. Right. Which, of course, meant that people then went away and the conflict might have happened somewhere else. And it was far worse. Or internally. Because he simply, he didn't know how to manage it. He didn't know how to handle conflict in a way that created something positive out of it, right? Um, And and so the absence of conflict is not peace at all. It's, It's simply the absence of conflict. And conflict sometimes is required to create. Conflict is sometimes required to grow, right? Um, but but it needs to be handled in such a way mm-hmm. that it creates that possibility. Yeah. Right. And so for me, peace is um, peace is not about simply not arguing or fighting about something. Peace is about what you what is inside you that you bring to that moment, whether there's conflict or not. It's what's inside you that you bring to that moment that allows for something creative and life-giving to happen, right? So it's yes, I'm talking about inner. I'm talking about inner peace, Ben, right? You know, and like like we often talk about, it, like we make jokes about, you know, people who do yoga and you know meditation, <laughs> but it's real, and it's meaningful, and it's important. And so if you're somebody who readily dismisses those things because it's just silly voodoo nonsense you are missing something huge mm-hmm. because uh, whether you do them or not you're it, it, you might there's something else in your life that you if you don't do those things you need to have something that helps you connect with what's in uh, that inner sense of inner peace that's in you so, that allows you to then engage the world around you so then the, with it what are you suggesting is required to get to that place of peace if we compare it to what you said about hope um, which is counterintuitive to a degree, but you're saying that in, in many cases, conflict is a necessary step towards um, having that hope or peace, really. But so is it's kind of like this idea of you have to allow yourself to feel the emotions and process the emotions before the opposite emotion can be achieved coming through on the other side. Right? Because if you're just, if you're just kind of stuffing things underneath and yeah, it's just going to explode and then, you know, you can't control it. Right. There's the, there's no conflict here, but both sides have their hand on the red button and, 
What what creates what results. creates peace? So let's let's be absolutely clear. What creates peace is not that I have the biggest army, so you better smarten up and behave yourself, or you're going to suffer the consequences. That does not create peace. That's just a threat that causes to pe- people to consider the possibility of how they might get around your biggest army in the world in order to defeat you anyway. Mm-hmm. You're just pissing them off, right? And you're just you're you're creating. You're, you're it's almost like you're almost in fact creating the opportunity to have a conflict that's destructive. Yeah. Instead of, um, the, 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 instead of coming to to. Um, those kind of moments with, okay, let's see if we can't manage this. Let's have a discussion about it. Let's talk about it. Um, is this going to turn violent? Well, hang on a second. Before it does, let's just set some ground rules here so that we can have a calm and orderly discussion um, that we can have um, uh, a way of maybe trying to find some common ground. And, and whatever it is, maybe we can find just like one little thing that we can agree on yeah. so that we can then move on to another little thing that might get into a bigger thing that might get into that it gets into, right? So that that our discussion, our encounter, our initial encounter isn't based on uh, anger, fear, um, hate, mm-hmm. those are all destructive things. And so often we get into wars and things precisely because of those things, right? Somebody's angry about something. Somebody's, uh, somebody hates something. Somebody's afraid of something that takes us to, that takes us to fight right away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and if we instead approached those moments with maybe hope, say, or love, say, maybe even joy, say, hey, do you think maybe the hope, peace, joy, love thing is that they're all connected, Ben? Do you think they're all connected? I've seen where you're going with that. Maybe when we get to, and I know I'm not allowed to say the C word, but it comes on the 25th of December. Um, I can't say it because this is Advent. Seems like a silly rule. Um, it's a time. It's a ridiculous rule. But again, it's, it's part of that whole, um, like, honestly, I know... Ah oh, man, I know um, there are there are lots of churches that they don't want to sing Christmas carols until Christmas Day, right? I've even made jokes about the fact that we sing Joy to the World early on in Advent. In fact, I think it was the Sunday before Advent we sang Joy to the World. Yeah, we did because it's not a Christmas song; it's a paraphrase of a psalm. It's not actually meant. What's never meant to be a Christmas song. We just, just associate it with Christmas. Yeah. There's but a it isn't Christmas like time, so I can get away with it. Ha, 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 funny trick, Robin. It, it's ridiculous. I mean, honestly, I, I, I do understand that one of the things that you have to be careful of is that you don't want to get sick of Christmas before you get there. <gasps> I said the word. Uh, sorry. Um, but but you can't just kind of go like Advent is a desert, barren wasteland of nothingness before Christmas so that you can prepare for Christmas. How are you supposed to prepare for Christmas if you just took away my intention of getting there in the first yeah. place right but there must be a, a purpose behind that idea sort of like how it reminds me a little bit of how um in some faiths there is a tradition to not do any work on the sabbath for example and mm-hmm. and to some people it has become simply a rule yeah and and they're not even but there's a reason for it yeah there there was a, absolutely a there, reason there for is it. a reason for it the reason is so that you can set you can you can take a moment to reconnect with God and wonder about your your relationship with God and with the world around you, um, and do that on a weekly basis, right? To have a moment of rest, set apart, um, yeah. set apart. Sure, I get that, and I get the idea. In fact, in fact, actually, this is particularly appropriate this Sunday because it, uh, in this year of the lectionary, 
Um, this Sunday, the uh, gospel reading is from Luke, and it's about uh, it's the announcing of John the Baptist coming. Yeah. And right, that's right. The announcer had an announcement, um, and it's the announcement for John the Baptist. Um, John being the announcement for Jesus, yes. right? And the announcement for John the Baptist was uh, that um, prophecy in Isaiah about preparing the desert. The voice cries in the wilderness, prepare a desert, uh, prepare a highway in the desert for our God, right? Um, get ready, right? In other words, it's part of the get ready theme. Right. Um, John's coming. And I know, see, that's a, that's a moment that's completely out of context of the, the track, right? Um, we're preparing for Christmas, baby Jesus. Um, and suddenly we've got this passage from the Gospel of Luke that's talking about 30 years after the birth of Jesus. It is, but it's still saying, get ready, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. It's still about being being prepared, right? And and John's John's a particularly cool character anyway because he's um, he and Jesus were related; they were cousins, right? Um, and um, his story is uh, John's story is a little bit um, his family story is a little bit Jesus-like. Uh, an angel comes to Zechariah, except it's to the dad this time, and says, "Your son's going to be you know important. He's going to announce the coming of the the right. the Messiah." And um, just like the angels visiting. Uh, Zechariah doesn't at first believe it, and the the angel uh, strikes him mute, right? So he can't talk until John is born. Um, and But he has to be named when they're asked. He has to be named John, so they already know his name's going to be John. They know what his purpose is, and his purpose is to be the announcer of Jesus, right? Jesus is coming. Um, and so in Luke's gospel, it references um, that passage from Isaiah, except Luke tweaks it. Because the prophecy in Isaiah doesn't say uh, a voice cries out in the wilderness, and this is what it says. What it says in Isaiah is a voice cries out, comma, in the wilderness prepare a pathway for God. Really? Right? Or a highway for God. Grammar is so um, important. It is, because, because what Luke does is he tweaks a prophecy so that it sounds like somebody is going to come out of the wilderness and proclaim the coming of Jesus, which okay. is what John does, right? Yeah. He lives in the wilderness, yeah. right? He's a prophet who lives out there. He's a Nazarite, and so he's he's unshaven. He's you know he's he's a great character. He's also loud and obnoxious. John's all about conflict. He's happy to tell you yeah. what's wrong with you, um, <laughs> and he does that very well with uh, Herod's wife, which is what eventually gets him to lose his head. Um, but he's all about in your face. This Telling is what you got to do. Need, yeah. But what he does, in addition to why why we call him the baptizer, well, okay, he baptized people, but but he's really the announcer of Jesus, um, and he's also the the one who calls people to repentance. He's the one who says Jesus is coming. Here's what you need to do: repent, which means literally turn away, to, like turn away from evil, right. right, and turn to Jesus. He's he's coming. He's almost here. Um, and so that's the, that's the gospel reading for this Sunday. And it's paired up with, um, another passage from there's, there's songs all over the Bible, right? It's not just the Psalms that are songs. There's songs everywhere. And one of those is, um, Mary sings a song right after Gabriel says, um, you're going to have a baby. It's going to be Jesus. She sings a Magnificat, what we refer to as Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. Hmm. And when the angel talks to Zechariah and says, your son's going to be John, um, John uh, Zechariah sings something we liturgically refer to as the Benedictus, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. How does that end? It ends talking about how the one who is coming will light our path on the way to peace. 
hey really? look we're back at peace again awesome i was okay. wondering how you were gonna get us back there and and i love that i love that image from the end of the i, I remember seeing that like as a choir boy i remember seeing the benedicts every time we had matins which was about once every three years um but um the the wording at the end of that is so wonderfully uh right that we would it would lead us in the path of peace um I think that's often what we don't do. We don't, we, instead we take the, we take the path of war. We take the path of conflict that is destructive, right? And instead of, Mm. instead of the way that is going to build something. And that's, that's a part of peace that we often ignore. And which again, I think leads us to, well, when you start talking about inner peace, you're talking like church stuff. That's not for the real world. Yes, it is. Because the thing about peace in the real world that we often that the that extra step we often don't pay enough attention to is it, it, peace isn't just a moment, right? It's it's what happens after the moment, mm-hmm. right? There's no point in declaring peace if it's going to be followed by people continuing to fight, right? Right, and that happens all the time, right? Well, I mean, sometimes but, in a conflict in a uh, one-on-one relationship, whether it's a marriage or a friendship or a, uh, a moment with one of your kids that's getting tense, you have to call a timeout. And if you think yeah. about it in sports, you're pausing the clock, but then you're going right back into the fray yeah. of the action. And But sometimes that, sometimes hitting pause and, and giving yourself a moment to calm down or to, to collect your right. thoughts or to get the... the Absolutely. You're, ref- you're, you're taking a moment to reframe your, or reconnect yourself with yourself, reframe yeah. what you're doing, refocus. But you yeah. still are, the idea is to still come back to finish getting through that thing that needs to be worked out. Right. To get to actual peace, not just uh, the, the artificial sense of peace that a timeout gives. Right. Somebody said, uh, and I don't know who said this, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it surely wasn't me because it's too nice uh but um some i'm sure i read uh somebody said that peace is like a garden right um it's not about it's not about that first moment it's about you know you plant things and things grow Mm -hmm. you you create and you create an environment um where there's potential for growth where there's um an opportunity for new life to happen um from which others may also be fed right um so it's it's uh, a just it's like it's like uh and we're, we're so bad at that we think peace is just the moment that you stop the fighting mm-hmm. no well, even just look at the word peaceful we associate we use the word peaceful as in quiet yeah. tranquil nothing's happening um when you're describing that path through the wilderness like it's i from everything you're saying i'm seeing that it's not just this path of least resistance that that image of peace that is just quiet, solitude, uh, sanctuary, yeah. you might think, oh, yeah. that's just this, this path of, uh, of ease. But it isn't a path of least resistance. In fact, going, moving through the resistance brings you to a place of peace, and that is part of the peace. Part of peace is the hard work of getting there. And, and you know, that just as you were saying that, and you were talking about peace and, and quiet and stuff, you know, we we we. It's almost like we want to treat Advent like it's a, it's that that peaceful, quiet moment of solitude set aside for. And okay, there's don't get me wrong. I think there's 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 usefulness in that if you're doing the right thing with it, 
right? But it's kind of like saying Christmas is coming, um, and, and it's going to be a really exciting time. But for now, just sit quietly and wait patiently. Uh, try telling that to a five-year-old, right? <laughs> um, Christmas is coming, but for now, just sit there in a chair, sit quietly, and wait patiently. And and here we are saying, here's this time of waiting, right? So we're we're in anticipation and preparation, and and we're supposed to do that quietly. We're we're telling a story, by the way. We're telling a story in which, in order to get to that moment of birth, a poor carpenter is taking his pregnant, soon-to-be wife across the desert to a town a occupied by Romans because he's been ordered to. And uh, and maybe they had a donkey. I mean, we love to tell the story of uh, there was a donkey and, you know, and it's... And it, but even riding the donkey probably would have been harder on the pregnant lady. You know what I'm yeah, saying? No it's, it's like they struggled across the wilderness to get to Bethlehem so that Jesus could be born in Roman-occupied territory that was probably more unsafe from the unsavory characters you would find in the wilderness on your way there than, than the Romans. And, and okay, so we're going to sit patiently and wait quietly while they struggle across the desert to get to the, right? And, yeah. and again, that all leads to the, and I, I, I know I said, I was, was going to throw this in because I just, I love this idea now, is, is that, that we treat Christmas like it's a moment in time. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's a timeless moment. Right? Because it's not just it's not just the moment of birth, it's the getting there. And that's hard. You got kids, right? It's not easy getting there, and it sure isn't easy after either, right? But would you would you take that away? I, I was thinking about that just There's the other value day. in it, right? Like when when does Christmas happen with quotes around it? So it's Christmas is not just about that moment in the morning when you wake up and the kids are excited and that might be a climactic moment or a highlight of the Christmas season. But I, th- I think I, I love the idea of thinking about it as a season because there isn't just one moment you you're right now. People are trying to figure out when they're get together, when they're getting together with different relatives, what their plans are for all of their time off. If you're lucky enough to have some time off from work through, through the Christmas season, but it, if you took away that 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 Christmas morning time, would it still be Christmas? Of course. If you if you didn't have a special supper on Christmas Day, would it still be Christmas? We're, of course. We're so when a, does it happen? Well, it, yeah, that's that's a, it's it, a, it. Happens every day. It happens every moment. It happens every time um, love comes into the world, which is how we describe Christmas, right? Love comes into the world. Um, with with Jesus, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's the incarnation, the idea of the incarnation that happens in moments every day all over the world that kind of thing happens and not just in the birth of a child but in moments in people's lives christmas happens literally all the time we have set aside a day like we so often do we've set aside a day um that um that celebrates something that happened 2000 years ago we believe or at least a story we believe took place 2000 years ago something that's happening in this moment right now which is we're getting together and celebrating something and by the way, don't forget, Jesus said he'd be back. So every time we celebrate Christmas, we're also celebrating the anticipation of the next one and the next one the and the next arrival. one, right? So it literally is a timeless thing. And, and, and that's not, again, 
like you just said, that happens in moments every day all over the world for people. Um, that and it, again, though, it all depends on your perspective. It depends on your perspective. If your perspective is that birth is the end of pregnancy, if your perspective is um, Christmas Day is the climax of the Christmas season and then you're putting away all your decorations the next day, if you think that peace is the end of conflict, you've missed the point. Mm. Peace is the beginning of something. Um, it's not the ending of something. It's the beginning. Um, birth is the beginning of new life. Um, Christmas is simply one moment in a, a, in a never-ending string of moments um, of recognizing the possibility of love occurring in the world. Um, it, you, you gotta look, you, you gotta look forward, right? It's like, like the, we've, we, we were talking about this last week and the week before and the week before and the week before and the week before. Anytime you tell those stories that like the apocalypse, the end of times, right? That's how we tell it. The book of revelation is about the end of things. No, it's not. It's about the beginning of the new thing. Yeah. It all depends on your perspective and peace does too. Hope does too. So does joy and love but but peace definitely it's not the end of something it's not the cessation of hostilities it's not the end of conflict it's the beginning of something that creates life and and uh, uh, that that energy of of newness right yeah. that makes things happen I, I really like the order that these four themes come in you know you, to start with hope hope is that you talked about hope as a seed yesterday um, you talked about a lot of great things in your sermon around hope, but um, you know, starting with that seed of hope, of having hope as a, as a beginning point, moving through conflict like we talked about and through that path through the wilderness to, f to get to a place of, of peace. I think without true peace, how do you then move into joy and, mm -hmm. and experiencing love? And I mean, you could, uh, you could also look at it as love comes last because they're all up different parts of love or love is how you find your way to hope and peace and joy is you is by living out your love and yeah. by by having love for others and yeah uh, i agree yeah so we're, and we're going to explore those in the next coming couple coming weeks so um yeah this was awesome thank you for for this wonderful conversation and thanks ben thanks thanks everybody for listening please join us next week as we dive into joy and then love after that and we hope that everyone out there listening to this is having a wonderful advent and christmas season i'm not afraid to say <gasps> it christmas uh and uh, we'll, we'll catch you next time so remember spread joy and be love thanks for listening <laughs>